0: The following is a sermon from the Vicar and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure foundationorg We're entering into our third week of our series called No Other Gospel, In the first week, Pastor talked about how there's many different gospels going on in the world right now, but there's really only one true gospel. Last week, we saw Paul's life, and we saw that there's really no other gospel that can change lives like it changed Paul's. And today, we're going to look at no other gospel from a little different outlook. We're going to see that there's really no other gospel that's worth fighting for. And we're going to see that it's more valuable than friendships and that's more valuable than even the law. We're going to read from Galatians chapter two. If you're at home, we're on Galatians chapter two, starting at verse 11 on page 10 here in your bulletins. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to see if it's in front of them all. You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith. In Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that i might live for god i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me the life i now live in the body i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me i do not set aside the grace of god for if righteousness could be gained through the law christ died for nothing the gospel of the lord Praise be to you, O Christ. There's something a little awkward about this text. It's like we're in the, the back seat of a car with our friends, and our parents are up front, and they just start arguing in front of your friends, and, and you're wondering, like, what is going on? You hear, are supposed to be the leaders, and you're embarrassing me in front of my friends. And I I think that gets a little at the awkward tension in this text. Look at verse 11. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. And a couple verses later, he tells us that this was in front of everyone. It was in front of the whole church and it's a little awkward. It's a little awkward for us to be looking at the two major apostles of the Christian church fighting here. So if if Paul's going to call Peter out like this in front of everyone, make a big scene, he better have a good reason to do so. And I think he did have a good reason. And this this is how he explains himself in verse 14. This is what he called Peter out for. You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Peter, you're you're a Jew. You grew up a Jew, but you don't live like one now. Remember, you're the one that, that had that vision from God that, that there was this tablecloth coming down from heaven, and and there were all these impure animals on it and god three times told you to eat and so ever since you've been eating impure foods you haven't been living like a jew this whole time until those guys came and all of a sudden you're shrinking back and now you're acting like like all of a sudden the gospel of christ isn't quite enough like you live a life like a jew you need to not eat certain things you see what paul was or what peter was doing was he was by his actions adding a little bit of law into the mix he was adding a little bit of religiousness or or tradition into the gospel and paul had to call him out for this because when you add a little bit of something that you need to do to the gospel, a little bit of spice, it changes the recipe completely. It's like adding a little bit of yeast into a batch. It's going to be way different at the end. And, and so Paul calls them out, because the gospel plus anything else is no gospel. At all. Let me say that one more time. The gospel plus anything else is no gospel at all. So Paul had to call him for this, and he had to correct him because this freedom in the gospel is more important than friendships. It's more important than than good manners. This gospel is more important than anything. Even friendship. This is, a a theologian once said this. Therefore, if one has to lose one or the other, it is better to lose a friend and a brother than to lose God the Father. For if God the Father is lost, man the brother will not remain very long. If it ever comes between gospel it's just know. praise god that, that Paul won peter back with us that peter recognized what he was doing and the truth of the gospel but like paul had to call him out and make this scene and, and what does that mean for us that the gospel is worth fighting for even at the stake of, of friendships. Well, the first thing I might mean is, is we have some conversations to have with people. And I don't mean we have to call people out like, like Paul did to Peter. This was a different circumstance where, where Peter was a public figure, an apostle, and Gentiles were watching him and and looking at his life and all this. They were doubting whether, whether they needed to do something to be saved too. Even Barnabas was all mixed up, so he had to make it public. But for us to simply just talk to people who we know, friends, family, who are just adding a, a little bit of spice of tradition, a little bit of spice of, I got to do something to get to heaven, a little bit of spice that changes the gospel completely, just talk to people. That'd be the first reflection on that. The second one would be, we can be comfortable with this uncomfortable thing called the Christian church. And what I mean by that is, we're a Lutheran church here, and and not even like 200 feet down the road, there's, there's a Pentecostal church. And a few blocks, there's a universal church, and there's a Methodist church over there, and a Catholic church over there. Like, there's so many different denominations, and it's a little uncomfortable for us. But this is something that we can be comfortable with. Because the gospel is worth fighting for. Like if it comes between between love. And and holding up the gospel, like we need, we love people too, but we also need to cherish this gospel. I have a, I have a little, little story with that. Whenever I tell someone that I'm training to be a pastor, most of the times the reaction I get is, oh, God bless you. Like, that's so awesome. We need more people like you who are going to do good things for the world. Like that was the point of being a Christian. Isn't it the gospel? Isn't it the freedom and forgiveness that we have in the gospel? And, and I guess what I want to say is the doctrine of being saved through faith alone is the doctrine on which the church either stands or false. And so we're going to hold on to this doctrine. Even if there's divisions, this is something that we hold on and cherish and even fight for because it's worth fighting for. It's more valuable than even friendships at a personal level and at a church level. Secondly, I want to take a, see that it's more valuable than something else, this gospel that we hold on to. And that's that it's more valuable than than even the law. And I was a little you know, wondering about if I should phrase it that way, because I don't want to give the impression that the law isn't useful and that it doesn't have its use. In fact, it it has three uses. You might remember from like confirmation or through a Bible information class, there's the curb. This is for uh, unbelievers that God has protects society and people through the law. The second is, is a mirror where we can see ourselves and our need for our savior, our sins. And, and lastly, the use of the law is a guide. So when we're filled by the gospel, we can look to the law as how do I please God? And it's something we do out of our heart. So there are useful, the, the law is useful. But there's one thing that the law is absolutely useless for. It's completely useless in justifying you. It has nothing to say about how you get to heaven. Look, look what Paul says here in, in verse 16. Look, look in your bulletins here. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that way we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Like how many times does he have to say it? How many times does he have to say not by works of the law, by faith, by faith, not by the works of the law. Like it's so redundant. And my favorite part is right at the end, he says, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And more literally it says, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Like if you have skin, if you have muscle, like pinch yourself, You are not getting to heaven by what you do. It's such a clear teaching. And it's really not all that hard to get. It's not that hard to to understand up here. But man, is it ever the toughest thing to get right here? To understand that there is nothing that I need to do to save myself when we look at ourselves in the mirror of the law and we see how filled with sin we are, we see our hands that are, that are scarlet, we see all of our imperfections and we just can't even look at ourselves at some point and then to understand and to believe and trust that through faith in Christ, we are still saved, that he's forgiven all of us, that's not as easy to get. But it's true. So I want to, in two different ways, try to push this truth into your heart that we get up here, but maybe not right here. The first thing is, is Luther had a beautiful illustration for this. Um, he described it like we're at a wedding. Actually, it's your wedding, and you're the bride. And and you're looking around and you're seeing all the people, all the visitors that are there. You got your uncle from Kentucky that you've seen in 10 years. You get all the family, all the friends, and you're just way overwhelmed because there's so much to do, so much to so many people to talk to, and you're wondering wondering if like, how can I be a good host? How can I get through this day? What Luther says is go into a room in the middle of your wedding <laughs> with your guru, who is Jesus Christ. Go into that room and have Jesus talk to you. Have Jesus remind you of, of why you're there at the first place. Because he's made a promise to you. Because he's done everything for you. And until you're assured of that love, and until you... You just want to leave that room and celebrate with everyone else, the the works of the law, all the people, all the things you have to do. Don't leave that room until you are completely assured of God's love and forgiveness. When you're doubting, go into a room with the gospel. Hear the gospel. Let God talk to you about his promises about his love for you. And then when you're ready, you can hear the law. The second thing I want to get at is, uh, well, it's not really my idea. It's more of Paul's how to end end the sermon. And it's in verse 21, if you want to take a look at it. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. The last thing Paul wants you to think about when you're doubting your your, your salvation, your forgiveness in God, is he wants you to, to look at the cross and he wants to ask you this question. Did God send his son to suffer and die? For nothing did god send his son to to get you half of the way so that you can work more like the payment of his son was not enough for you come on <laughs> this is the gospel of jesus christ dying for us full forgiveness There is nothing we have to do because Christ did not die for nothing. He died for our everything. And that right there is a gospel worth fighting for. Amen.